day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarring Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing good. Aside from a stinking head cold, I am doing good. And how about you? Doing good. Um, you know, glad to have a, a, a rookie CTP on the call uh, so we can harass him and find out more about his background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dave, Brett, uh, everybody, thank you very much for joining us today, Brett. Or uh, today, Dave, um, your uh, you know your CTA to CTP and and what must be the, a world record. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, what did you you know from what I see, you started off life as a as a programmer, and you're now a Citrix SME uh, by by your own right. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got started and, and where you've gone? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on today. Um, so. Yeah, start, well, I actually started out uh, installing cash machines down in South Africa after I finished university with um, the IT guys down there, and then came back to the UK um, and got a job as a programmer for British Airways, and it was good. Like, I kind of enjoyed it. I like coding. I do still like scripting, but at the time, it was kind of you get to work, bang on the headphones, and you sort of sit behind the screen all day and don't move away from your seat, and it wasn't really my thing at that age. So switched from there into first line, did the usual second line, third line, and then started really getting into the Citrix side of things, um, doing a uh, Softricity rollout back before it was Microsoft. Oh, wow. Down. Yeah, that, that, that must, that, that, that's seriously retro. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was good. I, it's the kind of the first time I looked at it and thought, wow, this is you know, a real different way of thinking about it and how to deliver apps and do things differently from a traditional sort of um, way of delivering things is kind of, we used to use um, Novell snapshots to deliver the apps, and, um, <laughs> which is proper old and horrible and registry hell. So moving into sort of soft grid and soft tricity was, was kind of my first delving in. From there, I went to work for um, BAA, who run the airports in the UK, and looked was looking after their Citrix estate, which was fully automated and it was kind of baptism by fire and it's kind of there where I saw what it can really do um worked there for some time looking after that platform moved to where I am now uh, left here briefly to work as a Citrix consultant for one of the platinum partners here but at the time my twins were just been born and the hours and the travel was just too brutal so ended up coming back to where I am now Oh, very good. Uh, just on the, on the, you hit a, you hit a, it struck a chord at me there. Actually, something very similar happened to me. I did, I did a double dip as soon as I, I left, um, I left my, you know, main employer uh, a couple of years ago, and it was actually just around the same time as Ben was born as well. And like you, the travel, the hours, the stress, everything else, I, I kind of poked my head out like a turtle and went, nope, going back in again. So exactly that was the end that. of that. It's, exactly. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of when you don't get back until sort of eight nine at night and you don't see your kids during the week and stuff like that you kind of think well it's not you know you don't get a second second shot at it so might as well delay the long hours until you know they're teenagers and you want to be out the house <laughs> oh, well, that, well that's it and they don't want to see you more importantly you know um <laughs> Yeah, you hit you hit an interesting topic on on softricity. That's uh, that's great to hear. We'll we'll come back to that one a little later because we have a question around that anyway. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's lovely to have you on. Obviously, you know we we've known each other for quite some time on Twitter, um, and I absolutely love your blog. Um, some of the ideas that you've come out with have uh, have been um, have been superb. But anyway, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. You know what 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 attracted you to the Citrix space in the first place? You know, um, kind of. <laughs> 
when I first saw it, I, I, you kind of get that wow moment where the ability to deliver the apps to anyone and anywhere is like kind of just cool. You think, you know, being able to work from home way back when was it was a good thing, and having it all in the middle and centrally managed was sort of, you know, a big plus for anyone that's looking after it. And as it grew and expanded. You, it get like it grew into where you got SoftGrid and AppV and all the other layers and bits and bobs that are bolted onto that sort of core Citrix stack. It was it was kind of a unique way of delivering um, apps to people, and also the the complexity. So way back when, looking after one of the first Citrix estates, we we always had issues over lunchtime, and you know everyone was wondering why all the servers used to max out on, and what you sort of trying to figure out what's going on and it, it turned out that the guy that had built the estate hadn't disabled the screensaver so everyone this old windows screensaver was kicking in and all these vdi or zen app sessions and it was just crucifying the servers and the you know the complexity of how to configure an environment but more importantly how to do it well is sort of it floats my boat for lack of a better description i, I enjoy that that challenge but that's a that's a that's an interesting one, and uh, the screensaver one is, is is definitely interesting. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier the kind of layers of technology you need to build on top, and you know they were very much there. I mean, the, the I don't think the the the, the skill set for for ZenApp and Zen Desktop has maybe gotten a little easier over the years in the sense that a lot of these things are taken care of, like the screensaver policy, like the the optimizations yeah. that the VDA do for you in advance, you know. So all of that has gotten better, but there still very much is a layer cake approach there, and I'd, I'd echo what you what you said there in regards to that. It's um while they've done they've done some work to to add some of that stuff into the stack now. It's uh, it's uh, it's definitely a, it's definitely still a layer cake approach, and uh, no, I, I get it. I I get, I get the the attraction of ZenApp and Zen Desktop. Myself and Jerry and have debated this a number of times you know what is it about zen app and zen desktop and rds that that attracts people to it it's it, and it's just that it's the ability to get access to your machine from anywhere and centrally manage it and have all of these people running on a whole lot of servers and, and marvel in your own genius you know <laughs> yeah that's I mean, going back to your point i citrix have done a lot in making it easier to deploy zen app it's you know it's all wizard driven it's all nice all the optimization is done for you but i think unless you have a good understanding of how it works from the ground up. They're making, yes, it's, it's really easy to deploy a Zen app estate, but to make it bulletproof and work in the event of failures, is that's where the sort of complexity is now, as opposed to before it was just getting the stack to work. I completely agree with you there. So, I mean, if I'm reading from between the lines, it's very easy to POC it, but taking that POC to production is where you're going to have the pain, really, isn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, anyway, I mentioned your blog earlier. You know, um, I, 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 I uh, very, uh, very happily copied your scripts around uh, Octoblue and turning labs servers on and off. It's something that I've been meaning to do for ages, but I had no good ideas on it. Then I read your blog. So, uh, <laughs> it's really taken off. You know, what, what's you know, myself and Jerry and been bloggers backgrounds as well. But what, what is what started your blogging? What, what drove you to do it? And where did your ideas come from? originally it was just to mess around so moving into sort of support and stuff like that I always kind of had a had a sort of I wanted to still be able to write some code and do some stuff like that so I, I just bought a domain name and was messing about with writing various sort of websites and sort of dynamic content to make things rather than the old HTML where it just sort of spits out a page that you make it do something a bit more exciting 
And then, you know, as, as you're learning more and more about Citrix and what it can do, I'm incredibly forgetful. And it's, it's nice to be able to have a list. And I kind of started it as just somewhere to write things that I can go back to. So if I came across something that I found difficult or found a solution to, then I'll just sling it up online and go back to it. And also, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today without the help of Google and all these other people around that, that take the time and effort to put stuff back into sort of blogging and writing that. So why not, you know, if I find something, put it up there. Um, and it, it kind of went from there. Once I started sort of getting into it seriously, sort of writing some articles and it's weird. You see that you kind of see the numbers on your blog get higher and higher and you think, you know, people are actually reading this. So I better start putting some more stuff out there. And then, you know, you, the ideas generally come from issues that I have or issues that I come across day to day. So one of uh, the Octoblue idea that you came across then, it basically came around because I like Octoblue. I like what it can do. I like the whole idea of connecting things, but it, it was costing me too much to run my lab at home. So I thought, how can, how can I sort that out? And I figured, why not use Octoblue and try and get it to power it off and save some money? Oh, I, I completely agree. That, that, that blog post was uh, was great because uh, it's something that I've been meaning to do as well, like going to bed at night and I can hear the, the, I can hear the machines from my office kind of whirring away from the bedroom. And I was like, I really should get up and turn that off. But I'm yeah. very comfortable. So <laughs> I, I, know, I didn't always do it. And I, the, the comments you made about, you know, putting stuff back out there, that, that that's kind of where I started as well in the sense that um, there was a lot of things you'd come across day to day that you may not find on Google. You know, the, the Brian Madden blogs and the Citrix blogs or um, forums used to be really, really good for this information. And they kind of dried up in, in yeah, regards to into, into support stuff. So yeah, it it does help to give back. And as the numbers rack up, and as as, as you you know you generate a following, it's um, it's superb. So uh, anyway, kudos on that one because um, I have to say every every blog post I read from you is fresh, as opposed to some people who just kind of dump knowledge base articles and all that kind of stuff. So that's yeah, kind of, yeah, that's something else. Also, I try if I'm having an idea and you look out there and somebody else has already done it, I, rather than write it again in a different way or just won't I'll think of something else. I don't I don't agree with just chucking loads and loads of stuff out there for the sake of it. If you're gonna write something you may might as well be useful and a bit different. Makes it a bit more interesting to read. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And you know, just listening um, as we've gone through this uh, podcast today, it seems like a, a lot of us have kinda of gotten our start uh, kind of the same, you know, and getting into Citrix by, you know, trying to solve a solution for somebody working remote <clears throat> and then for the blogging yeah. thing you know i agree as well something to go back to as okay if i i run into this before i'm gonna run into it into it again so i might as well blog about it and then i can use my blog as my own personal knowledge base but also share with others as well so it's uh mm. it, it's good to hear that you uh that, that you're you know we're kind of on the same mindset with that one yeah. of the weirdest Sorry, one one thing I will warn people though about is be careful about what you do blog about. I remember um, one of the one of the blog posts that comes back to me most frequently, and it's probably one of my most hated blog posts. Was my uh, the blog post I did around Lotus Notes? Because uh, I, I was handed this Lotus Notes implementation, and it was not ready for Citrix whatsoever. And I spent the next three months fighting with it daily, and I put up this big scathing white paper on exactly what was wrong with Lotus Notes <laughs> and how to get around all the issues and people loved it but they still ask me about it as if i still know it drives me nuts but anyway as you were saying Dave, i'm just saying it's, it's weird when you you know you 
you figure out a solution to a problem, you write, you write it up, stick it out on your blog and out there, and that's that's all cool. And then, like a year later, you come across the same problem, and you you know, first thing you do is jump on Google, type it in, and it's weird when your blog article is sitting there, and you're like, oh, okay, I'll I'll have a read of something that I've already written to kind of remind yourself about it. So you know, kind of keeping things moving here, you know, you've had some really good series um on your blogs with you know authentication um and cloud providers and that you know that's really taken off um you kind of want to talk us through um the premise of those blogs yeah so the first one <coughs> google and um all the, the fans integration and stuff like that actually started out uh last year at synergy i was chatting to eric from zenap blog at the um, outside one of the one of the rooms, and we were looking at this document around how to how to sort of authenticate your apps and desktops using your Google account. And I kind of took it away and thought, well, that would be you know that'd be awesome if you could write something about that and provide people with a list a listed way. Because this Visio thing that he showed me was insane. There were arrows going all over the place, and trying to figure that out took quite some time. But then, you know. The, f the first time I wrote about that on my own blog, it was kind of just to, to give it to people and enable them to be able to do that in their labs or, you know, as a, as a use case for their, their offices. And then um, Rick Dellinger recently approached me to redo that on CUGC for these summit labs. So that kind of, that all started from a bit of paper at Synergy last year and myself and Eric just having a chat. And the, the salmon and the ADFS stuff is just an extension of that. I was kind of thinking, well, how everyone, you, you kind of need multiple factor authentication for any, any internet facing thing. And I was thinking about how you could best do that with Citrix and the cloud. And it's, and it's also down to the fact that, you know, I do a lot of stuff in Azure just because I get an MSDN subscription to it. So why not use that compute? And I was just playing around and figuring out sort of the best way of, of implementing MFA and using using a cloud-based service for that. Uh, and do you feel like um, do you feel like it's ready? Do you feel like it's a it's a production solution now? I mean, would you? Is this something that you'd rock into a new customer with? The the MFA part. Yeah, I mean, Azure MFA. I, I looked at it quite some time ago, and it did seem a little clunky at times. But I was just curious to see where you were with it and how you were getting on. Um, it's it's good. So I, th I yeah, I think it's ready. I, d I don't know whether I'd put it in. At scale at the moment, there's there's a few issues where where you're building your MFA servers and then syncing of the stuff just seems to just go wrong. But the the MFA that's integrated into three six five seems seems pretty solid. I, I would put it in, but maybe not not in a huge enterprise environment at the moment. Just yet. <laughs> no. Yeah, I've, I've right. no, not just yet. I use it with 365, and then I have a couple of customers and small deployments using it, and I, I agree. I, I would kind of, I would say, tread lightly as you kind of um, redeploy that and look at scaling it. Yeah. I mean, for, for a small business, it's great because it's a, it's a quick, easy solution to a, a multi-factor problem. Yeah, no, I'd agree there. It, it's, um, it's definitely easier than deploying something on-prem. So, yeah, that's fair enough. So let's talk about... Um, you know, your favorite product. So what favorite product do you like to work day-to-day -day with? And then what excites you about that product? Uh, so I was having to think about this, and it's 
it's quite a hard one. I, I kind of got to say Netscaler, I suppose, here, because it's sort of, I use Netscaler day in, day out. I, I sort of blog about it. I run the networking SIG about it. And it's, it's incredible what it can do. And probably what's more incredible is what people are using it to do currently. So every other person I go and see is just using Netscaler for a gateway. And that's it. And it's sitting there and they've bought all these expensive licenses and everything else that goes around it. And they're just using the gateway. And when you start digging into what you can do with it, especially around the Citrix platform, so how you can move data around or move traffic around your network and how if you use it alongside stuff like brokering, ticketing, storefront, licensing to an extent, if you're allowed, um, you can enhance what Citrix have deployed. And it's it, do, it does excite me, especially, what, so what they're doing now with Netscaler, with the whole MAS integration, um, I think the, the MAS piece is very early at the moment. I think it's good. It does what it does. But there's a long way to go for it until it's going to replace some of the other options that are out there at the moment. But the way they're definitely headed in the right direction. They're looking at um, some of the integrations and the wizards they've they've put into Netscaler as well at the minute. So they used to be quite I don't I don't want to say clunky, but clunky is being use. polite. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> clunky is being polite because uh, the, my biggest issue with the with the wizards were if you had absolutely every single prerequisite up front and you'd never run the wizard before, then you're you have a fifty percent chance of getting it right. <laughs> but if, if you, I mean, most IT admins will start off the wizard going, okay, well, let, the wizard will tell me what I need as I go along, and you get halfway through it and go, oh no, <laughs> do you know that yeah. way? And then of course, it's very hard to tidy up. It doesn't tidy up itself, and most of the time, I end up blowing it away and starting it again. Exactly that, and it's kind of like a de facto sort of thing you do now before you run a run an Netscaler. Was if you're running a VPX, snap it, make sure you've got a good recovery point, and then run the wizard because nine out of ten times you're going to be doing it more than once. And that's great advice. Yeah, <laughs> um, I suppose the other the other one is Octoblue. I do, I think it's brilliant. I think what you can do with it the 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 sort of scope and where it can go, not necessarily where it is now, but what, what you, what's coming up and what the possibilities around Octoblue, I think it's incredible. It's going to make, make things easier for people, which kind of is what everyone wants. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, if I would have guessed what your favorite product was, I, I would have said Netscaler and I would, I would have been correct because you, you do a lot of Netscaler stuff and you use some really great, great posts on it. Um, but also, too, I, I agree with you that, you know, a lot of people don't use it to its full potential. You know, usually they're using it for like a little bit low balancing, mainly gateway um, and, and so yeah. forth. Um, and it, it's glad to see with the mass stuff that they're kind of integrating some of the clunky areas of it. Um, but yeah. there's, there's still yeah, there's still some work to do, though. Um, so, you know, but they're starting, I would say, on the right path. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I definitely. I mean, there is a long way to go. And there are, there are some features that I think are still missing. So there are certain parts that they can improve on and there's bits that people are doing day in, day out that you could integrate into a wizard on, on the Netscaler and it would, it would just make everyone's life so much easier. 
Uh, agree, completely agree. I, I wouldn't, I guess, net scaler personally. I, I, um, I know you do a lot with it, but uh, that, that that's interesting. Um, no, good, good to hear. I, I have a, I work with a really good net scaler guy, a guy called Bobby Marr, and uh, most of the net scaler work. If if I'm not doing a project that that includes net scaler, it's just you know glorified net scaler work. I'll do it. But if it's a, a dedicated net scaler project, you know, I'll normally hand off to somebody who, who, uh, as I would call them, a packet fiddler. People who who are good at liaising, <laughs> liaising with, with network uh, people. Um, so my, uh, my 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 sweet spot is Zen app and published desktops. I, I that that's the stuff I love, making stuff as efficient as possible. But uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. That's good. Um, anywho, uh, were you were at Summit this year? Were you? I no, I wasn't. I'll be at Synergy later in the year, but I didn't get to go to Summit. Gotcha. Okay, very good. Um, well, I mean, obviously, the big news coming out of Summit this year was Unidesk. Um, did you play with AppDisk at all? Uh, you know, thoughts about the acquisition and application uh, implementation in general? We obviously know you're a, you're an AppV fan. <laughs> yeah, so, yes, I did play with AppDisk. Um, funnily enough, uh, one of the issues I had with AppDisk, I used your article to get rid of where it locks up randomly and you've got no idea why. And you uh, can't reliably do randomly, it. yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. So Unidesk, I, th- I think it was, a, I think it was a good acquisition. I think it was something they needed to do. Um, so AppDisk, in my opinion, it, it was a good concept, but I don't necessarily think it was executed properly. I think the way that they were assigned, I think it was, it was very release one, and it kind of stayed that way. And, you know, we kind of now know why, because Unidesk is in play. And I think Unidesk is is good. I was playing around with it the other day, and I think the way that they approach sort of layering your image is good. But there's there's something in Unidesk Labs at the minute, the user layer. I think there's there's a lot of potential around that and about what they do with it. And I do think it needs sort of integrating into the Citrix stack more um, which I assume is going to come now that they've got their hands on it. Like the UI will probably get a big overhaul and it'll get knitted into, you know, whatever console they decide is relevant at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's got potential. But again, I think there's a little way to go. Yeah, I would agree in that that personal user layer is going to be big once it gets out of labs and once it supports more operating systems um, as well. And they really do need to do some some work on the, the management side of it, um, including, you know, Silverlight and then also um, yeah, integrating within the stack. It'd be interesting to see how Citrix takes these, these acquisitions and puts them or merges them into the management stack of what they have today. You know, is it MMC-based and we do something else? You know, because you got yeah. not just Unidesk recently, you have WM as well. So kind of bringing that all together, it'd be interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping it's not another console. Like, it would be nice if they could knit it into what's already there, but whether that happens, yeah. we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I just hope it doesn't suffer from typical Citrix acquisition syndrome. You know, I mean, when a, when Citrix acquires a product and it's run as a separate business unit, then generally that goes quite well. Like, I mean, what I mean is, um, uh, like the GoTo suite that that operated well because it was external to Citrix, or, or you know, and similarly with ShareFile, you know, that that went well. But I'm not going to list off an example of where it hasn't gone so well with acquisition. So I just hope it's given the right focus. You know, so, um, it do, it does have potential. Like it 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 is a it is 
a much better fit than than app disc as you as you mentioned um quite nicely too i wouldn't have been so nice about it but yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's it's interesting to see where they're going to take with that i mean but i mean commenting on the on the market in general like i mean uh, I, I did a, i did a session last year on, on application layering in general and, and like i mean they're they're heralding this as the next coming of jesus if you will uh, yeah. right? like, uh, not just citrix i mean everybody as, as this is the new approach i mean do you see application layers replacing application virtualization or do you see a mix of both honestly i think it's going to be a mix of both because you still even the other day people are asking the question can you run can you run two versions of office in the same in the same sort of unidesk layer and it's so there, there is cases where you need the isolation and where you need to be able to have rules about how the apps talk to each other and and what the users have got but yeah, I, th- I think I don't think it's going to replace it. I think there's going to be cases where you need both. And uh, you know, Microsoft are clearly driven around the whole AppV approach because they're building it into their OS and they're doing a, a bunch of stuff with it. So it's not it's not like it's going to go away. Understood. Yeah, no, I and I'd I'd agree with that too. I mean. Um, yeah, like it, it, it can be more convenient at time to put applications in layers, but I mean, then you've got the you've got the maintenance side. I think I often wonder whether I'm being too fond of AppV because of the the baptism of fire, as you will, that you kind of have to go through with AppV sequencing. I mean, yeah. as I always say, if you have a good AppV sequencer, you know, feed him feed him and water him regularly because they're they're hard to find, you know. But um, yeah, I, I I did wonder whether I was being too favourable for it just because it's it's my background, but I can see the convenience side of of application layering, but at the same time i don't think it's going to replace the the the, the application virtualization layer if you will but uh, anyway i just just figured i'd ask um did you sorry one i was gonna just gonna say the the one thing i think uni does unidesk does really well is these um uh elastic session based apps i was messing around with that the other day and i think that's that's good technology the the ability to inject that app into a session that logon is brilliant yeah, the only thing I'll say about that one is, you know, app app volumes have kind of the same thing with app toggle. Uh, in a sense, that you can you can kind of you know secure layer access to sessions. I I can't help but feel like Citrix and VMware put that functionality in the wrong layer. Like I know Unidesk was just acquired, and that's fair enough. But I think with with, with VMware, I think app toggle would that the technology around that would have made far more sense in their their UEM product because then you could yeah. you know in theory secure and control what access to what app regardless of whether it's it's virtual or physical or, or installed or or remote you know so I, I would i would hope the citrix vmware will start to consider that kind of functionality in the uem layer instead like ores and like absence do because that's the killer uem feature that that, that i always go for is that security piece but um, yeah. yeah time will tell i suppose <laughs> yeah well we'll have to wait and see see what they do with it Absolutely, uh, but but like you, I, I'd I'd love to see it been properly integrated uh, and move away from Silverlight, but time will tell. Um, did you catch anything else in Summit that you that you um that that you look you're you're excited about? Um, yeah, uh, cloud, huge cloud. Huge <laughs> I know it's like the all encompassing. You know, everyone loves the cloud at the minute, but it seems like Citrix of not started to but continue to take it seriously it's funny a, a while back way back when uh, vmware were looking at their horizon air stuff or it was project enzo at the time i think and um 
I kind of I remember thinking that they're getting into that game and they're they're putting the right amount of focus on it and it's it's good to see that Citrix are serious about it now and what they're doing with it. I think you know whether you like it or not, it's, again, it's not going to go away and people are going to start moving stuff out there. And if if they don't do something to enhance that for the users, I think they're going to struggle and it's, it's nice to see them focusing on it. And also, one of the other things, and uh, Zen Server, I like 7.1. I like the fact they're still looking after it and, and using it. I know... You know, there's there's been chat over the years about hiving it off and doing some other bits and bobs with Zen Server, but they again they keep putting new features in and releasing it, and I'm using it where I work now, and it works great. I think it's good. I think live patching is a huge benefit on it. Do you find that Zen Server brings with it a certain skill set, though? Like, I mean. Um... Most most administrators can sit down in front of uh, vSphere or you know potentially Hyper-V, although less to a lesser extent, and kind of figure it out as they go along. I always found Zen Server was particularly niche in that regards. Um, to to set it up and get get it going is uh, is fairly easy, but to actually support it when you start getting into all the CLI commands, would would you say that it's 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 a it's a kind of more advanced skill set? Um, yeah, if you start delving into the the CLI and stuff like that, is again the console isn't as rich as kind of the, the vSphere stuff or the Hyper-V stuff. It's, but if you're, if you're just using it for workload servers, it does what it does pretty well. But yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you on that. It's, um, you kind of need a certain amount of um, command line love to be able to look after it properly. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree. I mean, look for for de- for desktop workloads, it's a no brainer, particularly if you're a Citrix customer, because you get it in most licenses, and um, it, it seems to be really, really solid in the sense that the people that I'm talking to about who are running it, um, like you, I mean, they're they're relatively happy with it. So hmm. um, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's interesting. It's just when you mentioned Zen Server, I just I just had to ask the question. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think if if Citrix can somehow shore up the management of it. And then also bring in some more server virtualization type features to it. Uh, I think it'll, you know, start to grow back on people maybe. Um, but, yeah. you know, for the most part, it, it's still seen, seen kind of as that the hypervisor for desktop virtualization workloads, in my opinion. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. And a lot of people that I talk to still run, they run all their desktop and Zen app workloads on Zen server, but all the infrastructure sits on. PSX or Hyper-V. So you were... Yeah, um, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, a, lot of, a lot of my customers have started kind of looking internally again at the hypervisor they're running and, and price-wise. And if, um, if they have the ability to run this for, for a lesser cost, well, then, you know, go for it, is what I'd say. But anyway, Jerry, go on. Yeah, so, you know, you were a, a Charter CTA program member. And for those of our listeners who don't know what the CTA is, it's the... Citrix Technology, or technical, what is it again? The associate. <laughs> advocate or associate? Uh, advocate. Advocate, that's oh. right. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I know there were some name juggling around for a while. That's why I make sure I didn't butcher it. So Citrix Technical Advocate, right? Citrix Technology Advocate. Citrix Technology Advocate, the CTA program. That's and, it. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I didn't mean to butcher that, but I was always just said CTA. And so you were kind of a, a charter member, um, and you know I kind of wanted to know how the 
how the program has been, you know, to you, a value to you, you know, your thoughts on it, and then also to your being a new CTP as well. So kind of talk about some of that. Um, yes, the CTA program, I, th I think it's really good. It was, I was kind of approached by um, one of the, the ladies at work at the CEGC um, side of things to do some stuff, um, firstly around the user group networking SIG. And as a result of that, got asked to be part of the CTA program. And it, it literally completely came out of the blue. It, I just had woke up one morning, had an email, and it was from Laurie at the time, and she was like, well, you've, you've been put forward to be a CTA. And then from there, it kind of just blew up. Well, so I thought at the time, and it was we were kind of, you get access to things and people that you wouldn't do normally. So um, we got the opportunity to speak to a lot of the people at the CEGC. We got limited access to some of the product teams at Citrix. But you kind of had an official channel to put some blog stuff up on the CEGC and and get to meet a lot of the other guys because there's, there's a lot of people out there that are blogging and are doing a lot of good stuff around the Citrix products and it's you know getting all of those people in a meeting together is it's invaluable. There's some good ideas that come out and you also get get people to throw ideas from. Um, so I you know I thought it was brilliant and then. Obviously applied for CTP and got accepted into that this year. And then from what I thought CTA was mayhem, it, was, it just blew me out of the water. As soon as I, it was literally the day after getting the CTP announcement done, then it's just, well, as both of you know, it's just crazy. It's oh yes, it is. A, it is a baptism of emails, uh, insults, uh, <laughs> Slack comments. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's a barrage. Uh, and I think I think we joked about this offline, didn't we? About uh, you 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 always remember when it when that email came through and the excitement related to it. Um, it's uh, it is it is quite the um, it is quite the event, all right. And you know, going from CTA to CTP in in a single year, I mean, that's a big congratulations, man. Um, I wasn't sure how that, how that program was going to work, you know, feed into the other or, or back and forth. But, um, of course, you know, when, when I saw your name on the list, I was like, yes, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's weird because over, like, over here, I'm not, not sure what time you, you get the mails through jarring, but obviously with the time zone difference, when, you know, when you're waiting for that email and then you're waiting, 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 and it gets real late at night over here and then, you get the email saying it's been delayed a day and you're like, oh, I've got to do it all again tomorrow. And then tomorrow you wake up and you you end up not getting the email through till kind of half 12, quarter to one. And by then, like you say, you are buzzing at the time and you're like, right, now I've got to go to sleep and get up for work. And you're just sort of laying there thinking, that's pretty cool. And then you wake up and your inbox is just flooded, mainly with abuse. It's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a good bit of banter that goes on with the with the program, which is super. Um, I, I think the hardest thing, though, what, for me, was not being able to tell anybody for a few days. That is, yeah, incredible. Like you're kind of walking around with this sort of spring. Kind of a spider walk, yeah. <laughs> Swinging your arms back and forth, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, what's up with you? And you're like, nothing, nothing. You'll find out. And they're like, what? Uh, no, don't worry about it. You'll find out. <laughs> yeah i, I can yeah, say no. uh congratulations as well you know like andrew was saying i have to echo that and you know going from cta to to ctp you know is a 
is a big thing to do. So con congratulations, and you know, um, I welcome you to the the class of, of this year coming in. Um, and just wait till our first meeting because if you think the emails and the the Slack stuff's bad, just wait to that first meeting. Yeah, I've I've heard it's going to be intense. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's all fun. It's all fun amongst friends. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, indeed. indeed, indeed. Well, look, either way, congratulations, man. And uh, I hope. Thank you. Uh, Much I appreciated. In any way as rewarding as I found it. Um, you know, okay, well, let's 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 move on from that. Uh, you know, as we look down the track, three to five years, you know, where do you see the next focus being? I mean, um, where, where do you think this market is going to go to? And, you know, uh, you know, do you think cloud is going to pay off? Do you think IoT is going to pay off? What, 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 what do you think is the, is, the, is the winner for Citrix in the next five years? Um, cloud, definitely. I mean, like I was saying earlier, the, the one thing that I've noticed is in, in the EUC space, there's a, there's a whole load of chat around running desktops and apps from the cloud and whether they're best suited, where, where they should be. And while we're all busy looking at that, you know, other areas of the business are moving their workloads into the cloud because it's so easy. So you often get chat about shadow IT and all these other people like doing what they want to be doing. And certainly where I am, the business themselves are moving their app servers and their, their, the way their applications are running out to Azure and to AWS. And, you know, that that's happening whether we like it or not. And you know, what, one of the issues with running desktops from the cloud up to this point is everyone's always saying, well, you know, it's all very well. We can run the desktops or the app servers out there. But then if the application is on premises, then, you know, the performance is going to be horrific because of that WAN link between the app that we're giving the end user and the, the data that they need to make that work. And as the business is moving that data out to the cloud, then it's only logical that we're going to have to then start looking start looking at putting apps and desktops out there as well. So I think whether we like it or not, it's, it's going to happen and it's how smart we are about doing it. Again, a lot of the time I see people, you get this, especially with Azure, you get like referred to here as like subscription sprawl. So you get all these different pots of people in the business like, oh, I can, you know, take my credit card and build myself a server in the cloud. It's mega easy or set aside site VPN, chuck it on the network and happy days. But then you've got all of this infrastructure out there that hasn't been considered before it's been built. And then you get us guys coming in at the last minute and they're all saying, well, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? So I, I think the cloud is, is going to happen. Well, it is happening now. The EUC side of it is most definitely going to happen. But if you if you can do it right from the beginning, it's going to make it a lot, lot easier. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree on that. And, you know, you hit on two big key points there is the application backends and, and the data. You know, where is that going to, to sit in relation to the, to the, the workloads of the, the Zenap or the desktops and the applications? Um, and that's one thing that gets overlooked a lot when people say, okay, well, let's do this. And it's like, well, wait a second, you know, how's this going to look in the big picture type thing? Because you're going to affect user experience if they are separated and there's bad connections with, between the two. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. And I, something I was looking at um, ShareFile actually over the last couple of days, and I noticed they do a, um, 
a zone in AWS now, which is good because I, I think Sharefold, from what I've seen recently, is brilliant. And being able to put those those um, zones out in the cloud as well is is a good thing, especially if it's knitted in with the app and desktop. I'd, I'd agree with you there. I'm very, very fond of Sharefile. It, it's a jewel in the in the mobility story of uh, of of Citrix, and anything they do around cloud is is all the better. You mentioned cloud earlier on. I just wanted to, I just want to ask you a, a quick question, and it comes up from time to time with um with my own discussions with people externally. I mean, everywhere we read, we we hear about how AWS is kind of kicking ass and taking names in the cloud market. But most of the customers I speak to now are are Azure focused and not AWS. I'd like I, I'm trying to figure out is that a, is that an enterprise focus or is it a, is it a startup focus? Like what do you see out there from a from a from from what are people working with? I think it, dep- it depends on the person deploying it out there. So from personally from what I've seen the the AWS cloud is in in just in my opinion, a lot more technical. So you can get into the network layer more, you can get into how the traffic's moving around, and it's a lot less a lot less sort of pretty and user-friendly, whereas Azure, you know, you clip a, click a button, click a server, define a VNet, and it's very, very wizard-driven. And I think <clears throat> if you've got developers that want to want a server, you know, out in the cloud to do some testing on them, I think, uh, Azure is going to be a natural choice for them because it's an easier UI to navigate around for them. Whereas if you get a, an infrastructure guy, they'll probably look at AWS because they want a bit more control about the around the networking and how everything works. Okay, yeah, no, I was just curious. I, I, I as I said, I, I don't see much AWS day to day. I mostly see um, Azure, but um, yeah, I, I, I haven't looked close enough, so I just figured I'd ask the question. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, look as as we look to to draw down on the on the on the podcast. Um, one question we love to ask people, and I'm sure you're very familiar with this one, is uh, on a personal note, away from your day job of virtualization, you know, what market uh, or technology are you keenly watching now, and what excites you about it? Technology wise, fitness stuff for me. So I like I, I like to keep fit. I play a lot of squash. I do a lot of swimming. You know. A little bit of gym, probably not as much as I should. And I think the the way that so I bought a Apple Watch when it came out, and I love it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It kind of tells me what I'm doing, and it also tells me when you're being lazy. So it gives you that little tap on the wrist, saying, "Come on, get up, move around. You've been sitting here way too long." Um, and what they're doing around so so I, with the swimming side of things, it's nice that they're they're making all this wearable technology that you can use to track how you're doing, but not only, you know, when you're having a game of squash, but when you're swimming. So I went for a swim the other day with my Apple Watch. It tells you, you know, what what your split times are, how well you're doing in the pool, and what stroke you're doing, weirdly, I thought. Um, and How does it know that? Yeah, no, I was asking the same thing. absolutely no idea. <laughs> I don't know how it did it. But you look at it and it says, yeah, you know, you were doing freestyle and you're like, how? How do you know that? Uh, no, I love that technology segment. As you know, I um, I lost a phenomenal amount of weight due to the Apple Watch annoying the hell out of me. And uh, I, I I live and die by it these days. Um, the only thing I would say is uh, I, I find I have to use a, 
uh, like a Bluetooth chest strap if I'm if I'm in the gym because if you tense your your um, your watch bearing arm in any way it, it, the heart rate monitor just does not work properly. So um, to yeah, the heart heart rate's not so great on it. Everything no. else is. It? You're dead right, though. Everything else is great, and the 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 constant kind of annoyance to get up off your backside and go outside is a is a good one, you know. And and the data you get back through the, through the phone is, is super as well. So you know, you know how active you've been, blah blah blah. You know how many times you've hit your goals. It's a, no, it's a, it's a it's a great piece of technology. Often people look at the what me wearing the watch and they kind of say, uh, Apple fanboy, and I'm like, have you actually used one? Because this is actually super. Do you know that way? Yeah. It's uh, no, it's a it's a great great piece of kit and um it's if to anybody looking to lose weight i would absolutely recommend one there um they, they stay on top of you um just make sure you don't smash it like i did <laughs> yeah for, yeah i mean we're all you know we all work in it so we're all kind of kind of geeks at heart and geeks like the numbers like the data so if you know what you're doing it's something to improve on i think it's a good thing uh, completely agree completely agree um all right cool um okay well uh dave it's been it's been a pleasure to have you on today uh thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to to talk to us um just a, a quick note to our sponsors thank you very much to fs logics and liquidware labs for sponsoring us you guys are awesome uh, over to you jay yes thank you very much uh, david for coming on um again congrats on on being um in the newest class of ctps uh, we enjoyed having you. And for our listeners, thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>